Deck has enjoyed a little more freedom with pocket knives this time, and one of his favorite things to do at our night in national grasslands in western Kansas was to explore the cactus, the cacti that were around. Deck, you want to tell us about playing with the cacti? Well, we, me and my mom cut open in this one cactus that I got a splinter before from a cactus. So we cut open this one cactus and there was a blue thing inside of it. So I cut open another cactus. I pulled, it had the blue thing, but I pulled the blue thing out and it was a cactus worm. And then that night, I didn't know, but I had four splinters in one finger. So my dad got them out, and then I fell asleep. It's been just over a year since we recorded the Camping with Kids podcast. Uh, last summer on the coast of Oregon and that was more or less on a whim and we were surprised by its popularity. Uh, it was very popular at least with Jill's mom and my mom uh, and so we planned on doing some more Camping with Kids podcasts uh, and an occasion arose last summer when we were going to be camping uh, not just with um, uh, this nuclear family but with my extended family and that would mean uh, I think at the time it was about 12 kids under uh, the age of 10 uh, so that would have been a lot of fun however um, my dad's health was failing and I think we all figured that would be uh, probably the last camping trip with him and uh, we didn't want to put a lot of focus or effort into doing a podcast uh, during that time but it was a great a great occasion to camp together uh, as a family and there are all sorts of stories there about uh, the cousins finding salamanders together of um, discovering the uh, importance of waterproof tents and uh, the repurposing of in fact those tents that were the result of the lost luggage to do last summer. We camped again uh, as a nuclear family a bit at the very beginning of the pandemic this year in a state forest near uh, where we live in Maryland and that was a great experience because um, there was dispersed camping, we weren't near anybody else and there weren't any public facilities where we'd be uh, crossing germ pools with other people and the kids handled that well and enjoyed it for the most part and so uh, and so was born this project really which is a, a, a project unique uh, to us for this COVID era. We wanted to take a substantial vacation. I think Jill and I both are uh, tired and just ready for ready for a break and we've got significant cabin fever. Wanted to get out of our uh, little two-bedroom house in Baltimore. Wanted to uh, see some new sites and get the kids outside uh, some more. And so we decided that we wanted to try to go west uh, and to do so by camping, but not 
camping in national parks because when we were planning this, uh, a lot of those were still shut down and not even camping in state established campgrounds. But we decided to see if we could make it out as far as Colorado and back camping, uh, doing what's called dispersed camping on federal land, primarily uh, BLM land, that's Bureau of Land Management land, and U.S. Forest Service land. And both of those agencies, uh, actually which are were part of two separate uh, governmental agencies, I think the Forest Service is part of the Department of Agriculture, and uh, the Bureau of Land Management is part of uh, the Department of the Interior. They govern massive, massive tracts of the United States, and um, particularly once you get out west, uh, enormous portions of each state are federally owned land. And the vast majority of that BLM land and U.S. Forest Service land is available uh, for you to camp on, free of charge. Uh, You just have to check out the restrictions for the local areas, um, mind those restrictions, uh, and camp away from waterways and roadways and those things. So that was the project, to see if we could uh, make our way out to the Rockies and back without spending a dime on lodging, camping on um, public land. And so far, we have, uh, well, so far we're alive and we've been doing it, uh, but it, it is a challenge. Um, there are, are no websites that give you all the information one would want. Uh, in order to plan a trip like that. There are um, various government websites that you need to look at, uh, as well as maps to try to figure out where these public land areas are. But then, once you've located the public land areas, really, my best um, remit was to to just use Google uh, Maps satellite imagery and to look at the land carefully, try to drop pins on places that I thought would be promising camping locations, often uh, fairly close to water so the kids could swim or fish or cool down, uh, and so we had water sources, and uh, also places that had interesting topography and were a bit removed from the public since we're trying to be responsible and and do our best to uh, stay safe ourselves and keep others safe during this pandemic. But um, the first day, it proved to be a real challenge. We pulled up uh, in Ohio to where I had dropped a pin, and all of the land on both sides of the road for miles and miles was posted no trespassing. And that was uh, a jarring awakening to the fact that simply looking at uh, the maps is insufficient. And uh, Jill did a great job then once we had some cell reception to uh, find us a new place to stay in the National Forest, Wayne National Forest in Ohio. And we spent a first night there uh, before heading on for a second night in Indiana. And that second night in Indiana was the one um, from the first episode where we arrived at a beautiful lake and had a campsite set up but decided to abandon it uh, after a heavy rain pour when the forecast turned to more rain. Not because we were afraid of rain per se, but because uh, the access had been uh, a fairly rugged drive over steep clay banks and uh, we didn't want to be stuck there waiting for a few days for the hills to dry out before we were able to drive out. And so we 
pushed ahead an extra day uh, to make it into uh, the Ozarks of Missouri and we woke up uh, to a campsite that I had dropped on the map uh, and we drove uh, we drove in there arrived about 1 32 a.m set up I set up the tent in the dark and then we put the sleeping kids in and uh, we woke in the morning to a beautiful little campsite on a crystal clear stream and uh, I'll let the kids tell you a little bit about that campsite. Deck, do you want to tell us about playing in the creek by that campsite? Um, I actually just peeped and I opened when my dad was setting me in. So I kind of saw. But I did not have a very good glimpse. But then in the morning, I woke up and gurgling water was just right by me. So I looked out the window and there was this crystal clear cold stream running right past. And we loved it. But then a car drove through the stream and we were like, okay, that will not happen again. But driving, there were more cars coming through the stream because it was a road. And it was a road that went through a little farther, through the stream, and you went up a little farther, and then it was to a nice place that people watched their boats. And so um, that was a little bit of a challenge for us to get back and forth between cars. One of the things that made this stream so pleasant was it was a, a, a spring stream. Um, the water was clear and cool, and uh, we discovered the following day that it was flowing out of a cave. And this was a large, unmarked cave um, in the in Mark Twain National Forest, part of the um, Ozark Scenic Riverway System, National Scenic Riverway System, and. Uh, Man, it makes makes a real difference after a few days of camping to have uh, cold, clean, lovely water to, to, to rinse off in. And I think our mood improved significantly afterwards, didn't it? So one of the biggest questions people have about backpacking or about extended camping trips in general is a question about hygiene. How do you stay clean? What do you do about going to the bathroom? And all of those things, of course, are complicated with uh, having younger kids along and they're complicated by uh, the remoteness of your location and um, and how long you're out and uh, certainly more complicated if you don't have access to uh, washrooms and bathrooms along the way. So. This is a little uh, little chat with Jill um, about how how we manage those things with uh, three little kids on a three week camping trip without public restrooms at most campsites. Jill, um, what do you what do you do to help keep the tent livable so that it just doesn't become a mud pit all the time? Uh, well, it's key to. Uh, have our rule, which is shoes off in the tent. Can you say it, Tor? Oh, it's off 
in tent. Yeah, the two-year-old knows the rule. They know how to sit down at the entrance of the tent, sit in the tent while their feet are still outside, and take their shoes off and then come in. So that that helps a lot. And then we just try to keep semi-organized by um, some of our one bag of clothes is inside the tent. And then they we use the pockets on the sides of the tent, and each kid has a pocket to keep their PJs in and um, whatever little things they have with them. And I'll try to, whenever we change campsites, I'll try to sweep out the inside of the tent. Um, yeah. Going to the bathroom. Yeah, we, uh, we brought a shovel so that we could... Um, yeah, so as I said, scoop our poops. We could we could uh, dig cat holes and um, and uh, do that away from water and bury it six to twelve inches deep. And uh, the truth is, we haven't ended up using that much at all. In fact, uh, we've uh, for really out of for convenience sake, we've used uh, doggy bags uh, for for doggy waste. And usually, when the kids have to go to the bathroom, I'll take them. And uh, they've become pros now, and we'll just uh, pick up and double bag the waste and toilet paper in those doggy bags, and uh, and that'll be stored away from the tent and away from the vehicle. Uh, sometimes, sometimes in the vehicle uh, until we can dispose of it. Um, but really, that's that's worked out remarkably well. The, the campsites have not been smelly. It means that we are not digging a bunch of cat holes in places that other people will later use and the kids have all gotten really really skillful at going to the bathroom in the woods uh, the four-year-old girl has learned how to hold her shirt in her uh, teeth when she's going to the bathroom so that it doesn't dangle down uh, and get messy and uh, they're all getting very comfortable with that uh, when it comes to uh, dishes we I, I I usually wash the dishes each meal in or after each meal in boiling soapy water, just because when you're using uh, the same dishes over and over again and you're on a trip, the last thing you want to deal with is food poisoning or any uh, pathogens. Uh, so we're just a little overkill on that front, uh, and we we boil, sanitize all the. Uh, dishes and we really have a very limited supply i think uh, in season one jill went over our cooking system uh, and we really just have one fork one spoon per family member and one bowl one cup per family member and everybody has a water bottle and uh, the, the meal cutlery and, and utensils all gets sterilized and cleaned after each meal and put away um and often we're able to leave it out in the sun in the UV rays to, to dry and further sanitize. So that's uh, some simple sanitation and cleanliness. Of course, if you were to look at us, you'll see our feet are grubby. We're grubby. Uh, we do try to get um, play by water, fish, swim, uh, or camp by water fairly regularly so that we get the chance to, to do some cleaning up. But, um, yeah, it stays livable. We're not, you wouldn't want us sitting on your brand new sofa right now. <laughs>